So I want to start off this morning actually talking about this new pastor idea for a few minutes and just to keep you guys going. Are we recording already? We're good to go? Yeah. Thank you. So the story continues and it's a good one. And I want to go a little bit deeper letting you know why uh, we are doing this. And there's a couple, there's actually quite a few reasons, but the most important ones are these. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says that Jesus gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And in that short little verse, there's this um, explanation of the great provision of God that he's given us quite a variety of leaders and abilities within leadership to do certain things. And we tend in our culture today to have a really strong central lead pastor, which seems to work for a lot of places and it works well. But what I've noticed is that church will tend to be characterized by that leader and by his gifts. And so you'll have a leader that is one of these, he's an evangelist or she's an evangelist, and that will tend to be a very evangelistic church. And it will tend to go that direction because that person is driving it. And sometimes even pastors will change in a church. And the new pastor will come in as the lead guy. And he'll, his gift will be different. His gift might be um, prophecy or being a shepherd or a teacher. And so the church itself will also change in keeping with his emphasis and his strengths. And, and I would say we don't necessarily need to be that way. I think the call of God is that we actually have a balance of leadership where all of these gifts are present. And that doesn't mean we have to have people on staff with all of the gifts necessarily. Some of those gifts can be led through volunteers and through groups of people. But uh, I know for me, I do believe we need someone else who has a different set of gifts to be a part of this church to really help us write a new chapter. And I would describe it in this way. I think the chapter that we've written together over the last two years is kind of one of these, uh, of a pastor-teacher. That's the kind of leader that I am, a pastor and a teacher. And the main thing that I do is shepherd people into health and into healthy relationships and communicate, I mean, uh, create healthy community. That's my strength. That's my passion. And, that's, and that part of that was already here when I got here, but I think we've gone a lot farther with that in the last couple of years. And I, I just continue to say I love who we are together. I love the community that we are. And I believe that for a season we've been going deeper and we've been growing deeper. Uh, my goal is that goal that Paul talks about when he says, we work hard so that all of you may mature in Christ, that we might present you complete in Christ, healthy in Christ, balanced and restored and all that Jesus has called you to be. And that's a lifelong process. But I think we've made some strides in the last couple of years in that way, and I'm really grateful for that. And I feel like we're kind of becoming those churches in Acts where it says they met together week to week in houses, and they broke bread together, and they shared, and nobody had any need. And it was this wonderful family that provided for each other. And I would say we're on that road, and we're set up to do that well. The church is also called to be connected and to be active for the sake of those who aren't here for the sake of the community, for the sake of the lost, for the sake of the afflicted and the oppressed and the poor and the needy. And that's a place that we need to go now as a church, and we need to grow in that direction. And I know that's not my strength. 
And I know to vision in that direction and to lead in that direction is not my strength. <clears throat> and so my, my vision is to hire someone who, who has that strength and who can help us together write a new chapter of ministry and of serving and of going and of being active beyond, beyond. Now, we do that as individuals, and I don't want to say that's not important. We minister in the community one-on-one through the relationships we have and the jobs that we have and the things that we choose to do. But God has also called us together as a church to go out as a community as well. And so that's, a, that's one piece of this puzzle. Uh, the other piece, too, is um, I just do better in community. I, I don't like being a guy at the top. And to be honest with you, I really believe that the best things we produce, we produce in collaboration and not alone. Family, to me, is the best example of that. Those of you who have children have not produced them by yourselves. There was some form of collaboration, <laughs> at least in the beginning. I hope it continues. <laughs> I hope the I see I see fathers holding babies, and that's that's a good sign that the collaboration is continuing. But some of the best stuff that God does, He does in the relationship between us. And so, for me, I'm looking for that kind of partner relationship on a full-time basis that, that God will do good things between this other person and myself. In the dynamic of our relationship, God will create some new things. And so those are the things that have gotten me excited about this possibility. I do want to let you know, full disclosure, that in order to do that, um, we don't have the funds to just add on another full-time pastor. And so what God has provided for me is a second job. So I actually started it two weeks ago. And I have a second job, and it's a tremendous job. It's a job in ministry. I'd love to tell you about it, but not right now. But that's the way we're going to be able to afford this. That has allowed me to take about three quarters of what you all provide for me and give that away to somebody else. So that's how we're going to be able to afford this other full-time person. And I just love the way the story is unfolding. And I look forward to the day when I can tell the whole story to you. But until the process is done, I can't do that. But I'm going to tell you what I can. So, um, here's how it's happening. And I love this phrase in Acts 15, 28. Uh, Luke writes, For it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. And that's the process that we're working through right now, is to meet together, discern together, pray, and see what seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of a tricky process. It takes discussion and interaction. It takes prayer. It takes listening. And then in the end, it takes discernment. And then ultimately, as it did in this situation, it takes those at the top kind of pooling that prayer and insight and the deliberation and listening to the Spirit and coming to some sense of a conclusion. So you have James in the end of this story saying, okay, it sounds to me like here's where we're landing. And then James makes this declaration. And then everybody's like... That sounds awesome. And that's what we're going for, is that same kind of a process. And we're getting pretty close in that process. Tomorrow, Chuck and I are meeting with our most likely candidate for lunch to have one more conversation of prayer and discernment and just see where the Holy Spirit takes us. And then over the next two weeks, this person is going to meet with a couple more Colossae pastors. And then the plan is for that person to come and actually teach here on July 14th. 
and just let you kind of get that sense as well. And though we're not a democracy and we won't be voting on what's going on, we do want to include you in the process and we do want your discernment and we want a sense from you that you can confidently say, this seems good to me and to the Holy Spirit as well or not. You know, if there was some serious discernment on your part as a congregation where this doesn't seem right, we would certainly be open to that. And so I'm excited for you soon to have uh, the opportunity to be a part of the process. I'm really, I can't wait. I've been waiting months for this. The vision for it and the story I hope to tell you soon started a year and a half ago. So I'm, I've been waiting longer than anyone. And right now the process is killing me. <laughs> like, I just want to get there <laughs> because I know it's going to be so good and I'm so excited about it. But I'm still going to be here, and I'm going to still be doing what I'm going to be doing. And I'm still going to nurture the foundation of relationships and shalom and depth and maturity. That will not diminish or change at all, but we will have an addition. And I have a feeling there are some of you who have a heart for more of the building and the going that are really going to love this new partner. Because you've appreciated what we've done so far, but you're thinking, yeah, but there's more. I know there's more. And we want to get to the more, and this leader will help us get there. Does it sound good to you and to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I do want to give you just a, a couple of minutes. If you have a question that you think is a good one for everyone to hear an answer to, I'd actually entertain a couple of questions at this point. Yeah, great question. I have been... Oh, sorry, sorry. How does have taking a second job and investing time and energy somewhere else affect me in this job? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I have been finding that as I have stepped into the things that I do really well, that they have been taking me about 12 hours a week the parts of my job that are life-giving and that I do well. And the rest of the hours are kind of filled with um, finances and operations and program and purchasing and those kinds of things. And to be honest, those have not been life-giving after two years. And so the idea of letting those go actually is like, oh, that feels even better. So all of that will be transferred to this other pastor then because he'll be working full-time. So he'll have time for that. Um, yes, so that's a part of it. The job that I'm in is a complementary job to this one as well. And so it actually is enhancing what I'm doing. So I, I kind of feel it. it's a little bit like when I went to school for the last two years. And I thought, is that a good idea? Can I split my time? And what I learned in school and the life and the vision it generated for me actually fed into my teaching and my leadership. And so, and then I'm done with that classwork, and all of a sudden my schedule's, you know, wide open. And I just feel like this is going to be another thing like that. Well, it will enhance it, but we'll see, <laughs> and we'll evaluate. This job, this role is my first love, and I'm taking the other job to do this one well and to do it better. So, great question. Yeah. Anybody else? Yes.
Yeah. That's going to be hard to answer without giving away who this is. <laughs> no, but we can do this. Um, yes? I would, but I want to protect this person. If, if something in the process says no, then that, that'll be hard. Yeah, but I appreciate it. I know, I, the secret is awkward. <laughs> I do want to let you know that we began in-house, and the elders discerned together, and we did look at who's already here. But for this particular role, we discerned that that, that role wasn't here. And so, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you all of that in two weeks when I introduce them. <laughs> awesome, thanks. Did they have a background in what, and experience in what you're looking for? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's their heart and their passion. Yeah. And everything you have said, I'll accept the drudgery part you're giving away. Be drudgery. <laughs> so, but. They actually wouldn't define what I'm giving away as drudgery, which is good news. <laughs> so, yeah, good. All right. Thank you for that. I know that was a little unique for us to spend time this morning, but I just wanted to include as many of you as I can. And Yeah, and Tim, I really appreciate your desire for openness and honesty and no secrets, and I'm there with you. That's always been a tough tension in leadership for me, and I hope we're, we're moving in a direction that is more inclusive. So, All right, parables. If you wouldn't mind opening up your Bible, well, it's only one verse, but let's look at it together. Matthew 13, 33. So, I, you know, I didn't recognize this until I started studying the parables that Matthew 13 is a really unique chapter. It actually has seven parables in it, and they're all kind of packed together. And it feels as though that's the way the author intended. He's not necessarily writing chrono chronology and telling us that Jesus said these seven parables in one place all at the same time, but it really feels like a thematic part of his writing where he's wanting to have this, this chapter he did not write Matthew 13, <laughs> but this episode, this epoch in his writing as, as a chunk of uh, parables. And so that's pretty unique about it. And I'm speaking out of the same place where Jonathan spoke last week. By the way, I really appreciated Jonathan's relationship, or what Jonathan taught, and I hope you caught the email this week where I kind of revisited it. I thought he said something very powerful there, and I keep thinking about it. What does it mean when greatness becomes the enemy of goodness? And I think politically we're seeing that a lot right now. I think we're all wanting greatness. You know, we want to be a great nation with a great military and a great economy. But greatness is coming at the expense of a loss of goodness, a loss of equity among nations, a loss of character among leadership. And we've said greatness is so important to us that we're willing to sacrifice the goodness of character for the greatness of, of what this leader that we have now may be leading us into. And I think, sadly, that's such a, a great, uh, a solid, clear picture of what it is to make the priority of greatness over goodness. And goodness, of course, being about character and about love and about equity and about being kind and good, patient humans first. And then out of that, let's do things together and let's accomplish things together. But let's not sacrifice the goodness of humanity for greatness among a few of us. And I, I I'm think, sadly, nations do this often, where they seek their own greatness above the goodness of their neighbors. And so actually, the worst relationships in nations tend to be with the closest. Like, like our worst enemies are the people we share borders with. And that seems very counter-kingdom to me. 
It seems as though in the kingdom of God, if you're practicing the goodness of hospitality and kindness and paying attention to your neighbor, the borders ought to be the best relationships. Those should be the relationships that are the strongest because you're right there. (laughs) You're right next door. And so that's where goodness needs to eclipse greatness. So today's parable is in verse 33, Matthew 13, 33. And I really am looking forward to some help with this. So here it is, a single verse. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was completely leavened. I think this is probably the most cryptic of the seven parables in chapter 13. The first parable in the chapter is the sower, right? The parable of the sower and the seed and the soils. And that one is explained. And I love how simplistic the parable is. Jesus says, here's the explanation. And as you read it, it's just kind of like, well, yeah. It almost feels like a children's lesson. It's just, it's that simple, right? It's that obvious. The seed is the word of God. The soil is the condition of different people's hearts. Uh, The birds that come and take it away are the devil. You know, all of these things that are like, when you hear the explanation, it's not provocative and it's not complex. It's quite simple. Another parable in chapter 13 is the parable of the weeds. And again, it's a very simple parable. There's a man who threw seed out and his crop began to come up. His co-workers noticed that there were weeds growing as well. They said, should we pull these? He said, let's not do that. It will be hard to discern between wheat and weed. So let's leave it alone and wait. And then when it's time to harvest, that's when we'll take care of it. And then Jesus explains that one as well. It's super simple. There are humans growing up who are growing up in the spirit of God as children of God. But among them are people growing up who are not that. But let's not try to discern right now and distinguish about who's in and who's not and who's following Jesus and who's not. Let's leave it alone so we don't pull up growth that could turn into wheat, even though it's a weed. It could be transformed by the Holy Spirit into wheat. Let's leave it alone. And when the time is right, the angels will come, and they'll do the discerning, and they'll help me with the judging. So again, a very simple parable. This one is kind of cryptic, but I I look forward to us talking about it a little bit. So I'll read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, Till it was all leavened. Does your translation use the word hidden? Raise your hand if it does. Okay. I'm, this is the ESV, just a couple of you. What do the other translations say? Blends. Blends. Okay. Mix. Mix. Permeated. Permeated. Yeah, so I would say to be a good interpreter here, we shouldn't make too much of the word hidden <laughs> because translators have actually translated the concept out. So let's set that aside. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and blended in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Anybody have the NIV? Yeah, what does it say? Yeah. Did you hear that? A woman, a woman took leaven and she mixed it in about 60 pounds of flour. How much of a bowl does that take? (laughs) Right? 
Yeah, 60 pounds. We buy it in generally five pounds, right? Well, some of you probably in 20, but, <laughs> but 60, like, wow, that's crazy. Now, only the NIV has that. So again, even though that sounds provocative and like, wow, is there something, what's with the 60 pounds? I wonder if we need to set that aside because it's not in every translation. So that too might be unnecessary. So I'll read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with some flour until it was all leavened. So we've taken out the provocative elements. We've taken out what looked like it could be fun. (laughs) What's left? Let's talk a little bit about yeast. That's obviously important because every translation talks about either yeast or leaven. So what is that product when it comes to baking? What's the function of yeast in baking? Makes it rise, okay. What else? Yeah, it's actually a microbe, and it is alive. Yeah, and that wasn't known until like the last, it was like 1837 when somebody figured out, hey, this is, this is living actually. It's not just a chemical reaction, but there's life here. Yeah, yeah. What else? Sorry? It spreads. Yeah, it, it has an effect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it, it, it's an ingredient that interacts with the other ones to make changes. I, I think it's like money, it's all moral, it's not good or bad. It, it depends on how it's used. Yes. Yes. Ooh. Oh, thank you, Baker Kale. 77 degrees is optimum for it to be the most active. Wow, that's fascinating. That's so good. Yeah, and I appreciate what you brought up, Vic, because um, yeast is used negatively every other time in the scriptures. Uh, Jesus talks about the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees. But here, this seems to be a good proactive use of the word. It's a good thing. It's good that this woman did this, right? Yeah, okay. So take all that wisdom that you just threw out, and if that's a metaphor, what do you think it's a metaphor for in the kingdom of heaven? If it does these things, if it causes change and transformation, if it's amoral, uh, if it's living, if it has an optimum interaction with the other ingredients, what, what is this in the kingdom of heaven? What's the yeast? What's that? Yes. Yes, I agree with you. Goodness. And that's where we were at last week with the idea that this treasure that was found was the treasure of the goodness of God. So it's goodness. Yeah. I would also use the word influence. I believe that yeast is an influencer in every product it's put into. Now, it's not just used in baking. Where else is it used? Beer. Yeah. Say that more confidently. Beer. Yeah, thank you. What does yeast do in beer? What's that? Causes fermentation. I know you're trying to act like you don't know, but some of you guys brew, so come on. (laughs) That's right. You're upsetting the baby, though. Septic tanks. Well, let's not go there. But I think it has the same effects in beer. It, it, it transforms it. It makes it something different. It actually kind of gives it some life, gives it a different flavor, and gives it a little buzz. And a little buzz is fine. <laughs> I think the septic tanks is a good one, though, because it helps to break down 
Okay. So it transforms crap into something compost. Something less crappy. All right. Very good. That was just redeemed. So wherever yeast is and whatever it interacts with, it makes it better. Bottom line. So yeah, goodness is a great, uh, is a great idea for what the metaphor is. And again, I, I think influence is another one. And both of these are things that somehow are blended in until they kind of take over. So what do you think Jesus is teaching here with this idea of the kingdom of heaven is like goodness and influence that was worked in till it took over the whole thing? But what does that say about the kingdom of God? It's alive. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The work of the Holy Spirit. Right? It's kind of what? Yes. Yeah, but you can't see it with the eyes. But you see the effect of it. Definitely, yeah. Such a good metaphor. Yeah. Lee, did you say something? It's contagious. Yes. That's a great word. Another baker here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's contagious. So as you imagine, okay, Holy Spirit, goodness, something that's contagious, what in your life as a believer looks like that? What is Jesus describing? Life, yeah. His life, absolutely, yeah. And the Holy Spirit certainly is the life of Jesus. In the earth today, yeah. And sharing the activity of God. Yes, yes. In this parable, I would say that we are the woman, right? And we're taking the leaven. We're taking the goodness of God. We're taking the Holy Spirit. And we're working that into, what, what is the flower? Yeah. The flower is probably community, probably the rest of humanity, the 60 pounds, haha. <laughs> That's one of the beauties of this. It says that she worked it through the whole thing. She kept at it. She kept whatever the action of blending is, she keeps blending it and blending it till the entire batch is infected. What does that look like? Can I change it away from infectious? Because if you look at, go back to his, his septic tank, but take it to a sewage treatment plant. Okay. You have a sewage treatment plant and it's infected, it's nasty, it's mm. disease riddled. Yeah, it's been influenced with goodness that's permeated through all of it. Yes. And so it's it's come in and it it just it it is more powerful than the negative. Mm -hmm. It It overwhelms it. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yes. 
they're in it and what we are having the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. bleeds out from us yeah. and affects all of the around us. Preach it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So well said. I'm sorry if you couldn't all hear that, and I can't repeat it all, but it was really good. <laughs> no, he just talked about how I was, I guess if I can try to translate that, that really we were all flour, that at one point we weren't yeast, we were all flour, but we've influenced. And it's as all these ingredients come together in just the right environment that they influence one another and they become blended to be one and to create this dynamic of life and of the kingdom of God, which is a great summary put together with what, what Treacha said. And I would say this is where we can land in hope about this parable in, in that we actually are the presence of the Holy Spirit in the flower of humanity. And, and it's the role that we've been given. And I would say probably the best activity I can think of, when we think of the idea of blending, I would say is prayer. I think the blending of the Holy Spirit with lifelessness is primarily begins in prayer. Prayer is where we begin to push the goodness of God's influence into the flower of the world. And so think of a relative or a friend that that you're kind of broken for for the sake of Jesus, and you would begin with prayer. If you want to influence that person towards the goodness of God and let the power of the yeast of the Holy Spirit transform that person, you're going to begin in prayer. And if we're going to see our community receive the goodness of God and be under the influence of God, we would pray for our community for that to happen. And so really the obedience, I think, and the good news of this parable is Jesus is saying, be present in the world. Don't keep the yeast in the package in the cabinet. (laughs) Get it out, tear it open, and mix it through all of the flour. And I think the second and simple thing is simply to pray. And this is how this idea, if the idea of hidden is actually in there and it's any fun, I think prayer is the way that you hide the influence of the Holy Spirit. When someone uh, is in trouble, they're struggling, and you say, can I pray for you? They usually say yes. And to them, it's a fairly safe and benign sentiment. To you, it's their highest hope that God will respond to your prayer and that the Holy Spirit will show up and that God will do a miracle. And for them, it's nice. And for you, it's like powerful. And in that, in that way, it's kind of a hidden working in. And to me, this is super good news because this is the simplicity of what the light and easy yoke of Jesus is. It's to be present and it's to pray. I know that if we do this faithfully, we won't stop there because that's just not what God allows to happen. That's not what yeast does. The yeast will start transforming. But if we will commit to these simple two ideas of let's be present, let's be present wherever we are, present with your coworkers, 
present with your neighbors, present with your children, present with their teachers, present with whoever you're with. Be present. Be there because you are the container of the Holy Spirit. And as you are there, do that work of blending by praying wherever you are. Be praying for everyone I just listed, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family. Just be there to pray. It's a simple work, but the yeast is so powerful. It's alive, and it transforms, and that's the Holy Spirit. You don't need to transform anyone. You can't, so why would we assign that to you? (laughs) The Holy Spirit can transform anyone, and he will do that. But our job, our call, our vocation is to be present with humans and to pray for them and then let God go from there. Now, granted, he's probably going to stir us up to do more, but there's no assignment. There's no to-do. There's no have-to. There's no four spiritual laws here. Be present, pray, and watch what God does. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Great job, everyone. We wrote a sermon together, and it wasn't half bad. I'm glad it's a podcast so other people get to hear it. Let's pray into this, and then let's worship into it. Um, Yeah. By the way, if you have kids in primary, go ahead and go get them, and the rest of the kids will be coming in shortly. Let's pray. Jesus, we are overwhelmed by you, by how beautiful you are, by how good you are, by how creative you are, by how clever you are. And we thank you for hiding the truth in places where only those who care will find it. And God, we do care. We care enough to think about it. We care enough to talk about it. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've shown us at least part of the beauty of this parable. And we receive the reality that, Spirit of God, you are yeast, that you are alive, that you transform, that you affect every ingredient in the bowl. And we're grateful for that. And we receive the responsibility to be present and to work ourselves in among the rest of the flower and to pray. And we ask you, Spirit of God, would you lead us forward into the flower and give us the confidence to pray and to be present. And we look forward to what you will do. We look forward to the ways that you will influence and transform because you are the Spirit of God. You are what we need. We praise you. We thank you for making our yoke easy, our burden light, and our calling possible because it's just that simple. Thank you. In Jesus' name.